0: If someone's talking about they've got mental health and depression and they haven't, and you have, you see straight through it. Mm. You see straight through it. You just look at them and you just go, you are an absolute twat and there is absolutely nothing wrong with your mental health. Yeah. And then other people that know, you know straight away that they've got it. You know? They're straight away. As soon as they mention something, you're like, yep, it's exactly the same. None of us are different. Everything's the same. The warning signs are the same and the reactions and the and the and the mental thoughts and the head noise it all the same it doesn't vary that much you are entering the age rebels revolution
1: the intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers we are your hosts Summer Bentley
2: and Isaac
1: Xavier come on in Mark Mathy is the owner of one of the Gold Coast's most successful gyms. His gym is actually my second home. I'm there all the time. He has built an incredible community of people and implements one of my favorite ever policies, a no dickhead policy to ensure it's a positive, supportive environment for all members. It's the reason I love being there and hesitate going home. Mark is a straight shooter, a country boy, He is an ex-NRL player, and he was a personal trainer to A-list celebrities like The Edge from U2 and Al McPherson. Yet he does not mince his words. He's known to be a controversial character who says what everybody is thinking but is too scared to say. It's one of my favourite things about Mark. You never wonder where you stand when you're with him. He's also known for his life-changing talks on mental health. Mark has a personal story that will blow your mind and a no bullshit policy that will change the way you view mental health and suicide. Hold on to your seat because this episode is sure to have your jaw on the floor.
2: Hey, rate and review us and we'll love you even more.
1: Mark, you've had a colourful life. Can you share with us a little about your upbringing, the mischief you got up to, your career focus, and how that all changed for you in one fateful experience?
0: Welcome, first up. Thank you. We, uh, yeah, I, had a, I was from a little country boy from a little country town called Aladala. We, uh, we didn't have too much, so we, we sort of had to find our own uh, fun in our own ways when we were young, but that, uh, that didn't mean that it was a bad thing. You know, we had the beach... Uh, we had the beach and then we had the family farms, you know, six, six Ks away from the beach. So we, uh, there was always plenty to do. But, yeah, so there was plenty of mischiefs uh, growing up. But As we got a little bit older, I guess the only really thing we had to do was, uh, was uh, chase women and fight, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, they all come with lessons. And, and one thing we did uh, get brought up with was a terrific work ethic. My father's a workaholic and he's a builder. And we, uh, we only, only ever knew one way was to work. You know, if we if we were in bed at seven o'clock, then it was it was a little we lazy. And so we'd always have to be up early and working and doing something. But it um, you know, it creates who you are, I guess, isn't it? Your upbringing, but it um, yeah, I didn't have too much. I didn't I didn't have what you call a silver spoon upbringing. That's for sure. Far from it. Um, I was always going to play rugby league. I sort of that was pretty obvious from a young age. I started making the rep sides when I was young, thirteen. I was, uh, you know, youngest player to play open grade football in the school and. Things like that, and then I, I got taken from the country. Long story short, when I was 16, to uh, play with the Roosters, i um, up in Sydney, so that was a little bit of a culture shock for us. But I, um, I wouldn't say I got kicked out of school, but I was politely asked to leave school when I was 14. I was, I was, uh, I was only young, so I was always going to play play rugby league. And and my father was a builder, and I was at work with him since I could never remember walking around. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was quite obvious I was going to go down that road as well. So. Dad was happy for me to leave the day that the principal asked. Um, I got asked to leave because I kept doing, as the principal thought, the r- wrong thing the right way. I used to look after a lot of the handicapped kids when they were getting picked on, and they'd come down and see us and say, "So and so just tipped their lunchbox over or something like that," and you know, wrong or right thing, but I used to sort of go to violence sort of fix that, and um, and that didn't sort of uh, go with the school policy in the long run, even though the principal was. Uh, you know, he, he was sort of uh, agreeance with it. But anyhow, it didn't worry. My, my, my parents, we uh, we left school and started the apprenticeship. I was finished my apprenticeship when I was just after I was 18. Um, so I was young, young at TAFE. Got kicked out of one TAFE, went to Sydney TAFE. But um, yeah, I was, I was a little rat bag, I suppose. But uh, then I was in Sydney and playing football and uh, went from uh, the Roosters to the Sharks, played Super League at the Sharks. And then I signed with South Sydney and they were kicked out of the comp that year. So I had to play a year in the, uh, in the country and went up to Mackay. And uh, then I was going to go from there to the Cowboys, and I had a knee reconstruction, and that was sort of the peak of my career. Really, it was the fittest and biggest and fittest I'd ever been, and didn't really have too many injuries before that. But I snapped my knee at training, got a reconstruction, come back after my rehabilitation, and done it again, and then went through another rehab. And uh, one of our surgeon, one of my surgeons, uh, or one of the NRL surgeons, ARL at that stage, uh, he was away on a conference. In America, so one of the local doctors up in Townsville said that they'd do the operation, and sort of knew it wasn't right when I come out of the operation, and and I you know, went back to rehab and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But he 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 went on the overkill with my cartilage and he took all my cartilage out of my knee, and which was called negligence, really. But you know, being the doctors, it's very hard to do anything about. And come back down to Sydney, Dr. Pinchesky one of the top doctors in Sydney, and went to have another operation. And he come out and just said, "Mate, you, 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 there's not much we can do for you. You've got no cartilage left. Look, like, he's taken all your cartilage out." Um, so that was my third one, and he pretty much told me that um, it was all over. So my whole life and dreams of uh, – and I was progressing well. I won all the awards at uh, the Roosters, and, and I was, I was you know, coming up the grades quite fast. So everything was on plan, and then all of a sudden it was taken away from you.
1: <laughs> and while you were under a general, you didn't know till you come out the, the next day what your future held.
0: Yeah, I didn't – well, yeah, I didn't know till we went to for, for the checkup. you know week later and he said I could continue to play you know probably have another two or three years I was young then you know I was 20, 21 or something then and um he said you have another couple of years but if you ever want to walk around when you're 30 or so I need I need a knee replacement now but they weren't given to me because of my age and I haven't been able to surf run or play squash or tennis or anything even though I sort of stopped them for the last 10 years or so so,
1: so you were given an ultimatum how old were you, 20-something? Yeah, 20. 20?
0: twenty, 20 one, I think.
1: That you could play for a couple of years. I remember having this conversation with you during training. Play for a couple of years or be able to walk when you're 30. So you yeah. had to project out into the future what was more important for you.
0: I was tough because if someone asks a kid that season, that's all they're ever going to do in their life, they'll just take the two years. You know? mm. so I was sort of lucky that when I went to the, when I was at, when I went to the Roosters at 16, even though I was doing my carpentry apprenticeship they liked you to do something to further your career in case you'd you, you know and I never really never really liked carpentry to be honest but so I, I went and done a personal training course you know I'd never touched a weight till I went to never even been in the gym really till I went to Sydney at 16 and I was just interested in it straight away because it was new to me so I went into Australian Institute of Fitness then I you know, it was network um, owned by Australian Institute of Fitness and got qualified then and and uh, so I was sort of lucky to fall back on that I think the change
2: from you know, you had this incredible career as a rugby league player, that taken away from you. Then you've got, okay, I can be a builder, I'm not really keen on that. But now from all of what I know about you, what Tink's told me, you've trained some amazing people that what people have told me, for example, Molly and other people, Tink's daughter that I've met, they said, what you've created now with Wicked Bod's Gym. It's not just a gym, it's a community. People have been there for a decade or more, sometimes 15, 16 years, and it's this sense of community that I often see in some gyms, but in some gyms they don't have it, but with yours, it's, so, it's like a, a sanctuary, a home for people. You must feel pretty good about that rather than just being a fitness center, but where it's nourishing for people as human beings.
0: Yeah, I think 19 years I've had the business up here I think 27 years or something now 26 years I've been in the industry as uh, I was qualified young but I put a lot of time into the fitness industry like when I first got called I was 16 I didn't have a lot of time because I had to finish my carpentry apprenticeship and I was playing semi-professional football then as a kid so we're training a lot every day and but I went down to uh, Novotel in Brighton Lee Sands Are still there now there's a gym upstairs and they didn't have any positions and um, i still remember going down there with Dad. Actually, I was only 16, but I worked. I I, I volunteered to work for four hours of a Sunday afternoon because I knew I wouldn't have uh, training or or uh, oh, sorry Sunday mornings because mm-hmm. we play in the afternoon. And I wouldn't knew I wouldn't have anything on. was sitting around doing nothing anyway. Tuesday nights from seven to nine, and Thursday nights from seven to nine. So I worked for nothing, and I ended up doing that for nearly 12 months. Wow. So I you know continued to sort of study, and every every member they had, I'd take them through and write them programs. I, I think that probably set my career up and then I was lucky enough to work for a couple of really good uh really good uh gyms or studios in Sydney at that stage I had a couple of good mentors and uh, yeah then I got the opportunity to go go to uh go to London well I sort of I I went to when when my footy career finishes the the doctors for you know <clears throat> psychology reasons sent me to Perth for 6 months so I could get away from rugby league There's not much rugby league over there
3: mm-hmm.
0: come back from there and I still wasn't real good so I had a sort of little window of opportunity to go to, uh, to England with a couple of gyms that uh, were the preference for me to train out of. But I've, we, if I ran a fitness centre, I wouldn't be there. Oh, if I ran a fitness centre like a fitness centre, we wouldn't be open now, not after 19 years. Mm. I sort of – people come to our gym and then the training part's secondary – I like people to come. I know, I know if people are having problems in their relationships or work or whatever, I don't even need to speak to them because yeah. they'll turn up to their group class half an hour early and you just – I can read their expressions. I sort of know my clients and members as well as they know themselves now. You know, I, I train nine people now that I've trained for 19 years since wow. I first ever got here. Uh, and therefore I've trained their families and their kids that used to be three-year-olds and now – You know. Ooh. have kids themselves and yeah. you know I've gone on to train them and yeah we do have a very safe sanctuary and 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 I don't like any bad energy in the place we have a no dickhead policy and stuff like that <laughs> I, like that. It. I did our,
1: put that in the intro yeah, it's, on,
0: it's on our signs out the front and uh we we don't work you know money's a very important thing for for everyone's lives but it's not our it's not our preference it's sort of secondary to what we do and and um yeah I think you know to to have a business so called like that for Leading the way for such a long period of time, you can't really run it as a fitness center because you're just just going to end up like the rest of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We do, we do, we do have a very safe place. Yeah.
1: Definitely a safe place because it's it's so safe. In fact, that you don't just go to Wickerbods for training. I had a young boy staying with me, troubled young boy, for a period of time, and you know, it got to the point where he was. I picked him up from the local police station. I am an ex police officer, so. I'd kind of used all the tools I had in my toolkit and the only thing I could think of was taking him to Mark and sitting him with Mark and for those of you who can't see Mark because we're on an audio, uh, he's a big, <laughs> big intimidating unit. kind of guy <laughs> <laughs> with the biggest heart of gold that I've ever come across because I took this boy to to Mark and he's a very busy man. You're, you're a very, very busy man, Mark, and... Uh, took the time to speak to this young boy. Now he came away from that conversation and, and I was just sort of standing back in the corner watching this young boy's re- reaction and response because I was at the point of, you know, it's all too late, it's, <clears throat> it's gone too far. But when we got in the car, the words he said to me were, that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And for me, if I know that he may have gone on a different trajectory now, but I know that there's going to be a point in his life, he looks back on that conversation with you, Mark, and says that conversation ultimately did change my life, even though I made all these bad decisions later. What compels you to go ahead and help young people like this who are troubled for nothing and nobody knows about it?
0: I've been there. I've been there. So well. it's that we live in a really false world at the moment yeah so it's um you know, it, it it's it's sad really because there's not much discipline allowed to be given these days but I would have liked to give him you know a smack around the ear to be honest
3: <laughs> he needed it um,
0: you know it's uh but he just yeah. needed some truths you know he he was they all watch their movies and play their PlayStations and sometimes think they're little gangsters and walk around like gangsters but you were in there but I won't be repeating the words and the phrases that I told him but I more or less just told him that you're really not as tough as what you think you are you're actually weak as piss you know like, like running around with your little friends and bashing people up It's that's, that's not what you epitomise toughness in and, and trying you know toughness is someone that goes away and makes something of themselves and can be proud of themselves and your actions that you think are tough at the moment are actually really really weak and you're weak as piss because your mates are making you do things that you think that they think that's cool but it's not just because they're too scared to do them and you're dumb enough to do it for them Everyone around you is taking the piss out of you, but you really think that you're really going really well, you know. And again, as you know, I said it in different ways, but mm. <laughs> just tried to, um, you know just tried to. I want them to walk away and think, shit, my friends aren't that cool, you know, and I shouldn't be doing that. And maybe I should go and make and do something more positive. And and as I said to you after, look, this won't fix him, but he'll hundred percent, you know, remember a lot of the things that I said. And as I said, he might one day be sitting in a in an office chair as a director and remember it or he might be sitting in jail, remember it, but he'll still remember it.
1: So. Mm, I still remember it. It was so impactful to observe that happening. But you've done it for many people and nobody knows about it. Like they see you in the gym, they don't know about the stuff that you do on the
0: quiet. back into what we said before. It's a false yeah. world at the moment. You know, if someone goes and takes a dog for walk, they've got to show it on social media. But we're, we're quite closed there. you know, we don't, I, don't, I don't use social media much other than for work. Yeah, my wife and I go on holidays and after four days we probably get four or five messages asking if we're okay because yeah. no one's heard from
3: us. <laughs> yeah, you're off the grid. So, yeah, so it's
0: abnormal. That, mate, my wife and I have a, you know, we have a an understanding that when we're on holidays we put the, check our emails and we put the phones in the safe in the hotels the morning and we leave and we get them out and check them again in the afternoon. We have nothing to prove to anyone. I have nothing to prove to anyone. I spend a lot of time helping people. Yeah, a lot of time, you know, but it's, um, that helps me. It helps me as well. It saves me worrying about my problems. But yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to breathe yourself for anyone. But if people knew exactly what we do or or what I'd done, the time we spent trying to help people, it would be, um, yeah, it would be blown away, probably.
2: If you love this podcast, tell your mum and your dad and your grandpa
1: and your friends. So that leads me to a more deeper conversation about your personal journey. And you said something to me recently when it was, on the news when I was training with you and one of your friends had actually ended their life. He's in his forties, I believe. Is
0: that Mm. correct? Oh, there's been a few years.
1: Yeah, there has been. This one in particular, I remember because the words that you said to me kind of echoed in my mind for quite some time after that. And you said the noise in his head must've been so fucking loud. Can you delve into your story around your mental health and why you have contributed to, so many people's lives by standing on stages and talking openly about mental health and what you would like to see happen?
0: It's a simple, it's a simple concept. It's just talking. You know, I was, I was brought up hard. It's in the country. So I was brought up in in probably the, you know, definitely the, the era or, or the, um, the upbringing that if you're, uh, someone's picking on you, you, you know, you, you fight back and, and if you're feeling shit, pull your head in and go and do it and, I don't think we are ever allowed to have a sick day. Mum used to let me go surfing when the surf was good, but if I was dying of something, she'd still make me go to school. <laughs> but um, it uh, yeah. So I, it I I suffered from a long time and not know that. And I, I don't like to use the word suffer because I actually it's actually really sad. The word mental health these days, like people are using it now to um people use it now to get days off 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 work and now off school and and um it's uh. It's quite sad, you know, because it's uh, it. I think that stops people from addressing it and it's sort of turned it into a bit of a joke at the moment, you know. But it's um, yeah. I, I look all the trouble that I was in when I was young and all the times I sat in, uh, you know, in some in some overnight cells and stuff like that from violence. That all stemmed back, looking back now from from anxiety. I you know? had a lot of probably social anxiety, so I'd go out and 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 probably wouldn't be able to handle it. I didn't know what was going on, so the easiest way for me would be to get in a fight and get kicked out or something like that. So. I didn't understand all that at that stage because there wasn't much. uh, There wasn't much information around it. But yeah, looking back now, I had all the had all the signs and the and the so called suffering. And but that never stopped me from doing anything. I don't like. I mental health is a really really big big problem, and we've got a long long way to go. But it's not an excuse. It's Mm. not an excuse for anything. So just because you got mental health, it doesn't. It's not an excuse for anything. You got to get. Get up and go every single day, and and some days are really, really, really tough. But there's always someone out there worse than you, you know. And 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 people don't like people saying, "Oh, you get over it." It's not a matter of getting over it; just deal with it. No, you're not going to get over it. Mine's chemical imbalanced; i I'm medicated for it. Sometimes people say you can be fixed with yoga. There's many different types of anxiety and depression, but um, you've got to deal with it, and it's not an excuse. You've got to address it. You've got to be man enough to address it. Seek professional help. Speak to people, and then get on with it. It's pretty simple. People are just using it as an excuse, and it's not a weakness. It's not a weakness. So people, the more people realise it's okay to talk about it, I say, and I said it in a in a in a, a seminar the other day. You know, how many people here look after their uh, their their physical health? How many people go to the gym? There's probably about sixty people put their hand up. And I said, how many people here look after their mental health? And there's like one person put their hand up. And I said. People don't even know how to address it these days. I said, how many times have you sat at a at a dinner or a lunch table and, and how often does the topic of physical health come up? I need to lose weight for a holiday. Oh, God, I've got fat. Oh, God, I need to lose some weight. I've got to stop eating shit. Nearly 100% of the time, it'll nearly come back to some type of physical conversation. How many times have you been to a dinner party or or, or, a, or a luncheon and someone said, you know what, I've been really struggling lately. Like, I've been having some bad thoughts and, and um, you know, I've... i it never happens till the day till the day we get anywhere close to that it's going to be a really big problem there's 12 people commit suicide daily now in australia and 22 people try is there's, there's more there's there's a third more people commit suicide in australia than what they what 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 uh, casualties in car accidents Gee. plenty of plenty of ads and everything over the over the news and all that every time we have double demerit to slow people down to stop car accidents we're we're a long way off the ball with the government and everything else to to try and curb mental health because car accidents can be avoided, but I mean, suicide can be avoided. You know, every single one of them. Nearly, you know, unless you've done something really wrong that you, you feel like you don't need to be there anymore. Whether it's you know, something really really bad, you know, children or something like that, and you feel that there's no point left, then you should have got help before. But the rest of the time, just because shit's gone bad with your family or your this, it's it's avoidable. But when you're when you've got it. No one else can understand it. When you're down that deep, it's very difficult to get out unless you talk.
1: So, yeah, that that was my next question, Isaac. Mm. You've got something. You go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, because <clears throat> what you were um, speaking about and that, was it Paul Green?
0: That mm. Yeah. That's who I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think.
2: Yeah. Something. And the fact that he had that form of Lewy body dementia, which is from impact, mm you know, the rugby just getting hit over and over again and gridiron in the US, it's happening all the time. Robin Williams died from it or oh, well, took his own life because, you know, that disease. So with something like that, we know it's not a psychological problem. It's a it's a electrical chemical mm. and it's, it's damage. And so when you get that, you know, Tink and I spoke the other day, we've been there where I know where certain things have happened and I remember to the day where I'm – gone for a bike ride and I was just walking my bike home and it was just the, one of the worst times in my life. And a big truck came over the hill and I was so tempted to just go, I could just step in front of that. Mm. Easy. And you just, and, and I think I'd never do it, but I thought, wow, that was a really, mm. that was like almost the devil just going, like yeah. pushing you in front of it and just make that decision. And to be able to, talk to people that's the the step so what do you advise people when you're having the thoughts going the world would be a better place without me
0: and that's that they're, they're good yeah. words because that's the point you get to so you go through the start thinking i went through past relationships and and obviously boxing and when i was a kid i was fighting all the time and then people know of me as someone that you know doesn't you know doesn't take shit and stuff mm. my, my exes you know i'd always be always be angry or, or ne- never, ever, ever violent to them ever, but never. But, mm. So that wasn't even a thought, but I was always, I'd always be angry, you know, always be not happy. Yeah. And they used to say, You've, you, you know, there's something wrong with you. You're, mm. you're crazy, you know, you're this, you're that. And you start to believe it and there's no reason to. And, and then in, in my, you know, that, that was for years and years and years. And you start to believe that you're crazy. So then you think it's, uh, you know, I'm just a nutcase. There's something wrong with me and, you don't address it and then it drags you down deeper and deeper and deeper. I have a gym across the road and in, in, in the end I do about 12 PT sessions a day. I would run home in, if I had half an hour and just lay in the bed, lay in the bedroom and then run back across the road five minutes before my next PT just so I didn't have to, in case someone come in to talk to me. You know, so you just close, you close down. And then you start to believe the words that you said. Then you're like, you know what, the, the gym would be heaps better without me The my, you know, I've been told that I'm just shit, you know, shit yeah. shit in relationships. So yeah. I, I don't really have much purpose here, you know. I think it would be much easier for everyone if I wasn't
2: here. Yeah.
0: Until I was addressed by, you know, my now wife, you know, er, earlier on in the piece, why why, why why, are you unhappy, man? Why? You've got everything. You've got money. You've got business. You've got everything. Why why are you not happy all the time, you yeah? know? Mm. Of course, I'm happy sometimes, but times when I didn't need to not be happy, I was just, you know, not myself, you know. She, and she sort of, made me address it and, and sort of do something about it and, and, uh, and, and you know thankfully and she was there uh, you know when I was having those thoughts and we went through that sort of together and she sort of freakishly saved that one day and and once you once I'd, I had made that decision or the help to go and address it, my life turned over that day you know I've, mm. my, my whole life has changed from that day and, uh, and it, you can't even explain how much it's changed just by the first time i went to the doctors and addressed it and and we we you know she she um she pretty much you know there's no exact diagnosis but she said you know you you, you need to be medicated straight away and made that that people say they don't like taking medications made for a reason my life changed that day oh when you talk about head noise i used to be some days it was so noisy inside my head I, and it was like people playing drums you know mm. And you just got to try and every, every client I had to pretend, how are you going, mate? Oh, mate, yeah, great. Thanks. How are you? Yeah. You're mm-hmm. going to be up every single time. My darkest days is every single time someone asks me if I'm okay, I was completely fine, if yeah. not great. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love any charity event that helps mental health, but I just, I'm just i open about it. I hate are you okay day because if you ask anyone with mental health I'll if they great. are okay, they're going to tell you yes 100 times. Mm. it's not that it ain't weak to speak in in another one of the mental health uh, charities is the absolute pinnacle of what needs to be pushed you know it ain't it's not weak to speak you must talk yeah don't just ask people if they're okay because you're going to get the same answer they're not going to yeah. tell you yeah it's too late you know, you, they're never ever going to put the burden they're already thinking that they're a burden mm.
3: they won't
0: tell you that they're not okay I'm not going to tell them that they it's already hard enough for him a, a, as it is. That's you know, what you think, but it's not true, but it's what you think. You know.
2: And especially with guys because, as I explain quite often to my clients, the difference between men and women as far as how we operate, and this is, of course, a very simplistic explanation of one part of it, that men are – we've been hardwired, and that primal part of our brain is about not even addressing your emotions because we used to have to – go to war. We had to fight. We had to fight for our food. We had to go and hunt. And so emotions just got in the way. And so now to actually talk, then it's that bridge you don't want to cross to say, that's a really rickety bridge. And I get on the other side and then I reveal that I'm not feeling really good. And then someone just says, you're a weak weak piece of shite. Just get on with it. And the bridge that you walked across has fallen down. You're like, now I feel worse. Mm. But I've never had that happen where I've spoken to someone and they've. And you won't. And they've, you know, thrown me in the gutter. They're always. The best piece of advice you mm. can ever give someone, you know,
0: with, with, with mental health is your ears, you know, mm. and that's all. If, if, you, if you've got someone that's come and approach you and look, I have countless amount of people that I deal with and I've, I would just try, the blokes, when they finish really with me, say, I try and, you know, you try and let them know, now you're a man, now, now you're tough because you've just spoken about everything. Yeah. Now you're tough. You're not tough by not talking. I've had people bring me in suicide notes and say, that, that was written two weeks ago. And just be, thank God, whoever sent me in here to speak to you or, or that was there for, for their family. Mm. And I said, imagine you've done that, then you're weak as piss. Yeah. Man. Now you've addressed it and you've got your families and you can go on for the rest of your life and just deal with it. It's not going to go away. It's not going not to go away. It's not the cold. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's going nowhere. If you've got it properly and you're not one of these clowns that say you've got it when you haven't got it. Yeah, you're not just sad. You've, yeah. Like
2: you've got you're proper. Sad. It's a and chemical. When you've got yeah. it, you
0: know you've got it. Yeah. yeah. And it's and not just because, oh, I suffer anxiety, because you don't like going to the supermarket. It's not anxiety. It's just you just don't like supermarket. Yeah. I don't like jumping off a tree. I think I've got anxiety, you know. You just yeah. don't like heights. Yeah. When you got it, you got it. It'll, it'll drown you. It'll pull you down and it'll suffocate you like a wet towel around your head every single day and you'll be fighting it every single day. Mm. You've got to help get someone to help you unwrap that towel, you know, or yeah. eventually it'll just suffocate you to the point where you'll just make poor decisions. Or it'll just ruin everything in the meantime. It'll yeah. ruin your relationships. It'll ruin your business. It'll ruin and and that. No, a lot of the times people don't go to the extremity, mm. but the damage that is done to their life is irreversible. Anyhow, destruction, business, relationships, it's yeah. irreversible. They start doing stupid things at home. Maybe they do get violent when when you know if they're medicated, etc. They wouldn't even have had those. Yeah. Thoughts. Um, Whether it's physical or mental, and and then that. It's called damaged goods, you know. Yeah. One, I always say it's damaged goods, like especially with women. When you damage, when when you continue to damage people mentally, especially girls, we forget. Males forget. What what'd you do last month? I fucked. I don't know. But <laughs> the girls, every time you damage them, I tell everyone it's damaged goods. You know, doesn't can't get it back. Keep damaging and damaging and damaging and damaging, damaging and then it's irreversible a lot of yeah. the times. You know, so. Sometimes that's the that's the tidal wave that comes, and then bang, and then they then they realise that shit. I've got all this destruction and nothing left around me. So we've got to try and cut the head off the snake at the top. And and that that I think the biggest the biggest uh, biggest form of of uh, suicide prevention is people that haven't got it need to educate them, themselves more in it, so you can address it more. As yeah. I said, my exes just told me it's mm. crazy. Mm. Then I had one that thought, "Why, why, why, is he, why is he like that?" You know, and yeah. I actually sat there and, and thought about it. Now we sit in uh, where, whether I talk with them and all seminars. I Remember the first few seminars that we went to, and my wife just sat there and cried and cried and cried for the first hour. And she was bawling because every warning sign that they put up on the screen, I had. Mm. And she was just bawling her eyes out and apologising to me. And I was like, you don't have to apologise. And she's like, "How? I, I, all of these things were happening, every single one of the ten points were happening to me, but no one was helping me, you know. But they didn't have to help me. But I'm just saying no one knew, you know. And yeah. she didn't know. Yeah. If she was educated and after that, she would have been, able to pick up on these points.
2: Yeah. If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever
1: health, check out our beautiful website at agerebels.com where you will find freebies, programs and more. You know, something that I feel is really important, you know, it's It's important to address people who are going through the suicide and you've already brought it up by saying that it's important for those who aren't to understand it and be able to know what the signs are, like they educate with stroke and all of these acronyms for all Mm -hmm. other things to keep an eye out for. I did have an experience where my friends turned their back on me in my darkest hours. It was too much and the words were, I don't know how to relate to you anymore. Mm. And I was so alone. They're
0: uneducated. They're uneducated. Mm.
1: But that actually was one of the most amazing, impactful experiences of my life. Took me down some really dark rabbit holes for a long time, but on the other side of that, it was so, so much um, gold, gold Mm. nugget after gold nugget. But for me, it it set me up in a position of. Learning the power of what you said at the beginning, listening. So even if you don't have the education about mental health, if you're just willing to listen to what people are saying, even in their anger, even what is the tune in, what is actually going on for that person, it's not that difficult to start to pick up there's something more to this.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you know, and for you, for your listeners, you, you're not gonna fix it. The only bit of advice I give, I like to say, usually ears of advice, but the only like bit of advice i I give is i talk in present not past tense right i don't want to say you'll be okay don't worry about that you know if you're going through it and you're struggling to try and find help first it's always like look forward you know look how many good things you got what about you know look forward all the time don't look back because they don't want to go back all the time because back's back's bad Mm -hmm. and try and tell them how much they got look, look to look forward to not, not the past. You know, we want to. We want these people to look forward to, and just for that interim amount of time, realize that shit. Look what I'm throwing away. Not because they're thinking I'm a burden on these
1: people.
3: Mm.
0: So, try and push them forward. In, you know, in that positive until you can sort of get some get some help with. Them.
1: That's something I really want to address with you, Mark, because you've walked this walk and you talk the talk. And you back it with experience and all the people that you've helped along the way. But there is a, a huge misunderstanding about suicide. Now, I've said it in the past, I am guilty. I know people in my field, those of us who haven't gone, we've felt like we have, but not to the extent that you've experienced. Yeah. We haven't been there, mm. so we don't get it. But You, you never get it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And you gave an understanding of we would say suicide was selfish at one point. We now know better. And you were talking about one of – Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were talking about one of your friends. Now, we only say that from our pain, being left here, et cetera, and our selfish needs. But you were saying they genuinely believe they are doing the world oh, and the people they love a favour. It's completely favor.
0: Yeah. understandable that someone yeah. without any type of – mental and you've got to understand mental health doesn't mean you're crazy. Without any type of anxiety, depression – I always, when I do my talks and stuff like that, I always, when people say it, I always say, it's, you've, 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 you've done nothing wrong, you're just really lucky. Because if you don't understand what I'm saying now, then it means you haven't got any type of mental health. So majority of you, the hundreds of people out there that think that it's weak, get on with it. I applaud you guys and you're very, very lucky because you don't have it. You know, there's mm. a test for you today. So. Mm. And, the one of the, and the people out there that are looking at me like this, fuck, he's talking about me, he's talking about me, that's exactly what I do, is that what I do, you need to go and speak to someone. Oh, like yeah. got that. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I can see it in the crowd. You know, I can see people like, oh, just get on with it, you know, like it's having a bad day, you know. They don't understand, they're never going to understand, so don't try and convince them, just try and educate them. Don't try and convince them, it's just educate them. But, they get, you know, Paulie Green, champion guy, one of the most, the most likeable blokes ever, you ever find, two little kids. No problem. How how bad do you think that it was inside his head for him to have to do that? Yeah. That wasn't a rash decision. No. He waited for his wife to go to training, knew he was going to do it, and he thought he was so worthless that this, you know, the the white dragon had just dragged him down so deep that it said, now drown yourself, you're no good, you know. Yeah. Because he didn't talk. Yeah. He was at a coronal cr- cr- reunion, you know, with a, a few of the boys two weeks before it. They said he was the same Juvial self, drinking, happy. He knew exactly what was going on. Probably knew that it was his last time gonna be there. Still didn't talk to anyone. He was just suffocating and they were just wrapping yeah. that towel around more and more and more and more
3: and more. Yeah.
0: And and he just he honestly believed, and you do you believe that you're just a complete and utter burden. And the people that are listening to him that have it have been there, they'll say, oh, I know exactly how that feels. But yeah. majority that won't understand that. No. So and that's that's awesome. That's let's, good. Yeah. Let's hope that there's heaps yeah. more people that don't agree with us and understand us than understand us, because that means that they're, they're okay.
1: Well, that, that's an incredibly powerful perspective. Mm. Think yourself lucky that you don't get it. And yeah. you don't get you're it. You're probably to sleep. just having a bad day. You can't you're not exactly depressed.
0: Diagnose it. So the easiest way to diagnose it is go to a go to a mental health seminar. And if you're really really bored and you're switching off playing on your phone. You're okay. Get up and walk out. Yeah. Yeah. If you go there and you're staring at the screen, going, "Oh my God, I think they're talking about me." Because Mm. every single one of those things is what I do. I think I need to go and speak to someone. Yeah. Even if you haven't had any bad thoughts, which you may not have, you go to those those talks and it starts to resonate. And people, the the living (laughs) psychologist is awesome. He starts his speech with, you know, in front of thousands of people. I've got a special. We've got a special guest here today um special actor um will bring him out. I'll introduce you to him later. You know, it's quite exciting. It's a special thing for you guys today. And it brings him and, and people he asks, who, who who do you think uh who do you think is gonna be? Who you know, who who do you think the best actor in the room will be? And then he says in different words, You you are the best actor in the room and you see people that resignate go and they sort of look around and the other ones are sort of sitting there putting their head down and saying you guys are the best actors in the room because every single day you wake up and act that you're okay and you're not okay, and that it's a great it's a great analogy of how people because mm. you are one of the best actors in the world because you might act every single day for years and years and years and no one might know no one I'm the opposite so it was hard for me to start talking about it because I had clients as I said that I've trained for nine you know 19 years now but at that stage 10 or 12 years and I was so guilty because I thought because I've you know, I had to go and fix my clients' kids and marriages and multiple things over the years, and everyone comes to me, you know, everyone comes to me to fix their problems, sort of say. And I'm like, how am I going to go and tell all these people that I was Ooh. suicidal? And, and I acted every day like I was the happiest person in the world. And it just broke some of them. Like, some of them just come to me and just said, how on earth would you ever not tell us that we put so much pressure on you and this, this and that? Don't worry because it helps me. It stays out of my head. I was staying in their head. And it's it's just part of coping. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I imagine now that when I came on board to Wicked Bods, the amount of respect that the long-term people have for you is immense. So they've learned all that about you. And I know a lot of people don't share because they feel shame mm-hmm. around it, thinking it's weak, et cetera. And in actual fact their sharing brings a lot more respect from the people around them that care about them because they were finally honest and told the truth
0: yeah I think you guys went to David Goggins the other day and yeah he said in his talk it needs to be more people like him in the world at the moment because you know in, in other words the world's just becoming too soft you know We we're, yeah. we're having a reason to say no to anything yeah um, there's no there's no mental toughness anymore because we're just teaching our kids that anything's okay you know, and then there's a place for all that as well but it's really dangerous too because i think a lot of times we're pushing our kids into that now you know we're, we're we're telling them you don't have to win you don't have to do this you don't have to do there's no mental strength being built you know there's no mental toughness of the kid stressing all night because he wants to win a that blue ribbon and trying to build some mental grip everything's just like oh, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work it doesn't matter everyone
1: so, gets a medal everyone
0: gets a medal and then all of a sudden you do have some serious problems You got there's no mental toughness yeah resilience is not there resilience yeah we're just teaching kids not to be resilient there's no resilience and anyway it's same thing you know as he said there needs to be more people like him there needs to be more people that talk when I first done my talk and, and I got interviewed by someone and put it up I swear I had 200 people you know plus write in my private messages can't believe that you have got mental health because I've never spoke to anyone about it. I've suffered it. This, that, this, that. It was just, it was just insane. I'm like, I'm a nobody, absolutely nobody. And if I can have that many people react to it, imagine what some of these other people can do. Yeah. You know, other than worry about getting paid for it. Yeah. A lot of our D-class celebrities around the place, you know, they'll, they'll do some work for a living or some of like that. They're getting paid for it. They don't even care. There's no passion there. No passion whatsoever in it. It's just, just social media influencers wanting to get paid to, to help out with mental health charities and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a that hot topic for more followers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's just it's just it's just gross. Like it's just yeah. it just just doesn't sit with me at all. Yeah. But the more people that that get out and say if if everyone can can get out and just share their story, but make sure you've got a story, make sure it's just not bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Don't just yeah. come
0: out like a majority of the influ- I can see straight through them, especially the influencers they come out and say their story. I'm like, mate, that's got absolutely nothing to do with having a proper mental health problem. You're not even making any sense. You're just tossing up shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's the scary part because, as you say, it's a hot topic. So, yeah. If I come out and say I've got mental health, I might get another hundred followers or something like that. You know, we need some. We we need some people to come out. that have got their rules. The true story because they'll resignate. The people that, and and it's funny because it's sort of like a little cult, really. I say because if someone's talking about they got mental health and depression and they haven't, and you have, you see straight through it you see straight through it. You just look at them and you just go, you are an absolute twat and there is absolutely nothing wrong with your mental health. Yeah. And then other people that know, you know straight away that they've got it. They're straight away. As soon as they mention something, you're like, yep, it's exactly the same. None of us are different. Everything's the same. The warning signs are the same. And the reactions and the, and the, and the mental thoughts and the head noise, are all the same. It doesn't vary that much. And that's
2: the thing that to make a very clear line. that neuroscience professor Robert Sapolsky. He talks about. He said there's a big difference between being, you know, sad, and actually having clinical depression. We know that depression it always, yeah, yeah, and it always comes. He said all of the, the research has shown that that depression, anxiety, like proper. Debilitating stuff, not just feeling a bit nervous or feeling a bit sad, comes from trauma and the excess cortisol that starts to really mess with your brain. And so, yeah, that the wussy victim, those sort of people, that's, I'm sure that's why you can see through them because there's that weakness and resilience. And when you spoke about being actors, and I know myself and Tinky would have done it as well, where as a personal trainer and you, wake up and you're like, wow, I've got absolutely nothing. And you just, I've just slapped myself in the face. You just give yourself a slap and just, okay, put on a front and you can move forward. But the difference between myself and you, Mark, I don't have clinical depression or anxiety. So I can, I've got strategies and things that I can get up. And um, one thing that you said before, which really resonates with me, is one of the best ways you can make yourself feel better is to serve others. It can just—if I had no clients or nothing to do that day, it would be much harder. But to say no, I can, and immediately I can dig myself out of it because I've helped a person feel better. And one of the things that that a few clients have have said that, that really has um, really meant a lot to them. I said, one of the best ways you can protect a person is to listen to them Mm. and where that listening and you obviously have, you know, such a, I wouldn't call it a skill, but that's innate in your soul of just really being able to listen to people. And is that, has that really like when you've had your really tough days, has I, that helped I, I, get I, you out of it?
0: I, I'm in a constant fight. I, I treat anxiety like it's a person. Okay. Every morning I watch up and I'm like, nah, not, you, you, you're not going to win again. Mm. You're not going to win again. And I have, go through the days and I'm like, you find yourself. Biggest thing for me is that when house or someone knows that I'm having a bad day, I'll sit there and, and I don't even know I'm doing it. And I'll sit there on my phone and scroll and I... I'm not looking at anything. I'm just, it's just nothing. I'm just sitting there staring at it and you know that I'm not well. Mm. Bad. But what are oh, you find yourself doing that all the time? You don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden you're, you're deep in that hole and you don't understand that's happening. I might be just sitting in an office or might be doing something. And then as soon as you sort of half identify, it's like, nah, fuck you, mate, you're not going to go again. So you're in a constant battle with it all the time. When you can address it and you want to take it on, you got two options that I say to people: you let it win or you let it lose. Mm.
3: Just,
0: there's no other option because it's going nowhere. You got to learn. You got to learn to live it. You got to learn to fight with it. It's 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 not going to go anywhere. Even medicated, you still got to fight with it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a misconception.
0: Yeah, I've never people never think thought that medication
1: about. solves the problem, but it's so. Is it more that it softens the edges and gives you the opportunity I the best way to
0: explain medication? Is when when we take you know. Um, Someone takes, uh, you know, synthetic drug ecstasy or something like that opens our valves of dopamine. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, the, you know, you feel you're lovey and you're happy and stuff like that. That's why people take it. And then when we stop, it shuts those, those um, valves off. So mm-hmm. come down and we have no, no emotion. Uh, uh, us with the clinical depression, our valves are just open a little bit too much. So, and, and I'm just putting it in normality here. Mm-hmm. So instead of drip, drip, drip of negative, we've got a little flow of negative too much.
3: Mm.
0: So it's, it's you, you guys get drip, we get like the taps just turned on a little bit. So you guys get depressed for a reason. Yeah. We get anxious and depressed for everything because ours is just overflowing oh, wow. too much. Wow. This is just my analogy. So medication shuts that valve off again mm-hmm. and takes it back to the drip.
1: Ah, uh, Okay.
0: You know, it's the best way mm-hmm. I could ever explain it to people. It takes That's it back such to a the, great way, takes it I. way back to the drip. So then it just puts us back on your level that we still worry about things and things like that. But mine's subconscious anxiety. So I worry about if I don't have a medication. And over the years, I stress about everything. So when I was young, and I used to walk into a bar, I was uncomfortable. I so thought everyone everyone wanted to fight you or this or that. So you're mm. creating your own problem. So there was not a problem. There's no problem. But you created it because you're, you're – your your Opposite serotonin is flooding your brain, telling you that, that everything's bad. everything's this is bad, this is happening. It's not even happening. You know? It's not even real. So getting back to the drip. and it's, uh, But it's a weird thing because you forget your medication. I do this all the time. Haley cracks it, but she carries <laughs> it with her all the time. And you'll be feeling shocking. Like I'll finish six or eight PTs stressing about... I think that session was shit. Oh, I've got to train this person. And, you, and you, um, you're wiping your face and you're, and you're just feeling shit. And it might get to one o'clock in the afternoon you're like, oh, I didn't take my tablet this morning. Mm. You go and take your tablet and then you're just back to normal again.
3: Mm.
0: You don't even know. You, you can't even address it. You know? So imagine what it's like when you're not taking your tablet, You know, when you don't know what's going on with yeah. it, you haven't addressed it, you're going through that. And it feels
1: so day. real. It, it must yeah. feel.
0: And it's all day. And, yeah. and you can see people because it hurts. It hurts inside your head and it's just, it's just, it just hurts. And you're, in, you're not even trying to stop it because you don't really even know what's going on half the time. Yeah. You haven't really addressed it. Like, otherwise, I would have addressed it at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But I might have went four hours of torturing myself about worrying about things I didn't, never needed to worry about. And then I remember, oh, that's why I have got these thoughts because I didn't take my tablet this morning.
2: So. Yeah. so it's like a filter. It's like you see the world through this really dark filter and, mm. and the medication just doesn't take the filter away completely but at least it makes it a lot It doesn't take any of your problems clear.
0: away. Yeah. It doesn't change you. Mm-hmm. So you it doesn't take any, any of your problems away. It just turns the tap off. Yeah. You know, it just turns the tap off. That's all it does. It brings you back to normality. As I said, the, the, the day I started taking medication, my whole world changed because I could just do things. I didn't have to hide from... People didn't have to hide from things. And, and I I was pretty successful even at that stage. I'd achieved a lot and I'd done all that with all those shitty bad thoughts for as long as I could ever remember.
2: Wow. So, do you think the, um, I all of that, that was normal? Battle,
0: I thought I was crazy. I just thought you have to mm-hmm. deal with it because everyone else has said you're crazy your whole life. So, you're just crazy. You yeah. You're mad. Everyone knows that I'm mad. So, but
2: you've it's built cool. this incredible resilience not being on medication for decades. And
0: then, so that's, you don't build resilience, you just deal with it.
1: Yeah. Really? And you, do you feel resilience. like that was installed wow. by never that tough upbringing? And
0: never re- resilience, you get used to it. You don't get used to this. Mm. You just deal with it. Wow. And one part of it gets you, you don't get used to it.
2: It's been really, irony. I've never.
1: Yeah, got, that's why I yeah. wanted to get Mark on because his yeah. perspective and that description about the staff, yeah, etc. Yeah. I I am quite um compelled by getting a message like that out there, because yeah. there are so many people that are suffering in silence, mm. and I think it's a, these conversations need to be addressed. People are uncomfortable; be uncomfortable, deal with it. Because we, as you said, we are the lucky ones. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so would you well, say
0: we're we lucky too? We're alive, of course. There's teenage kids and young people down the oncology units at the moment with cancer. Is yeah, there, don't use mental health as an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, we like we we know it's a problem, but it's not an excuse. There's heaps worse shit can happen to you in your life than having mental health. Definitely. So it's not it's not it's not it's not the end of the world. You just address it and move on.
1: So, in summary, of uh, what I'm hearing, and please you know correct me if you'd like to to get a different message across. But number one is if if you think you have it, then speak to someone and get to either your doctor or a seminar and find out if you're resonating with those points that 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 you'll find out what they are when you're at a seminar. And if you don't, then you're okay and start putting in some strategies to deal with your shit. Um, number two, if you don't have it, learn how to listen and be okay with receiving someone reaching out for help and help them to get help.
0: I think you can just stop at the education part. Yeah. Don't worry if you think you've got it or not. Go and go and have a look at There's heaps of them. Just Google them. I'll let you know when the next lot, um, live and one on because they have at Rabina, event, uh, the picture theatre. Right. And it'll blow your mind, you know. And as I said, there's only two things going to come out of it. You're going to feel really good or really good because you're just going to go and address it and then you're going to feel better. Yeah. Because if, you, if you've identified with it when you go to a seminar, you're probably feeling really shit. Mm. So once you identify it and you go and act upon it, all of a sudden... You're not feeling really shit. It's that simple. Yeah. It's that simple. It's just talk. You gotta, you know, try and talk to your partners. I ring Hale sometimes, she'll ring me and say, Where are you? And I'll be like, just walking around the streets. And she's like, Did you take your tablet? Yep. Just can't beat it today. She's like, Okay, just come and come and go and have a shower. Come back and have a shower and we'll go and try and get some lunch or something like that. But she don't make a big deal out of it. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. Mm. I'm telling her. I can't beat it today. I'm just struggling to try and beat it. I'll get through it. I'll eventually get there. But I'm just, I'm in a battle at the moment. You know, so. mm. But if I didn't, if she, if I didn't have that communication level and she rang me and said, what are you doing? Oh, not much. I'm just, uh, then I'm freaking mm. out about the, my situation and, and without telling her. And it just adds on it and adds on it to the point where you get down to that road where it's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a pain in the ass to her. You know? Yeah. Like, do you, do you want to come, you want to come out to add it no, nah, I'm feeling shit. I just mm. want to get myself right. I'm just going to go for a walk and I'll come out later. If I had no communication, you want to come up at Oh, yeah. So you're going out there freaking out the whole way that you've got to go to a shops, walking in the shops. Come on, let's go. Hurry up. You start getting short. Mm. They don't know why you're getting short. Turns into it. You want to get lunch? No, I just want to fucking go home. I just want to go mm. home. They're like, what's wrong with you, you know? And then you're having an argument with you and then it's creating an argument and Mm. you're still not saying what's wrong. And then on the way home they're telling you, I'm sick of you being cranky, you're ruining this, I wanted to get some shoes. And you're Mm. sitting there thinking, fuck, I'm a burden on this person. All Mm. you want to do is get some shoes. So that's like how how it can unfold, you know, time and time and time and time and time again to the point where it just suffocates you because you just feel that you're just a pain in the ass. For everyone. But when you have the communication level, it's completely different. Mm. Wow, yeah. It's that's powerful.
2: Yeah. Really, really powerful. Really What's the organisation that you said uh, oh, that the seminar?
0: Li- li- live into, we you associate ourselves with, but there's no favourites. I'll put links in yeah. your show notes. Oh, there's, oh, no, cool. there's no yeah, favourites. I'm
2: sure there's a lot of people yeah. just nodding their head now, listening to this yeah. saying, or they know a friend that's that.
0: When they put these yeah. things on, take 10 people there. Mm. That's a good and point. And then ask nine people ha- what 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 they got out of it and have a look at their faces when they're watching it. And you, and watch you the pick ones the one. That, you watch the ones that start putting their head down and then you watch the ones that are just looking around. And like It's like, it's like talking Chinese to them and mm. the ones that are putting their head down understand Chinese.
3: Mm.
0: But the ones that look around, they're still picking points out of it. Oh, shit, I think my partner's doing a few of them at the moment. He's a bit weird and he's been home from work early and he's been sitting out the back on his own and, and they might identify with a few things to mm. to go and say, you know, is everything okay? Or Yeah. And not just take that as a gospel, you know, you dig deep. Don't be scared. As I always say in cinemas, you're better off losing a friend for asking too many questions that you're going to be friends with again in six months than having one die. Yeah. Yeah. To piss them off if you th- if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's usually a duck. So yeah. if you think that someone's not well, they're probably not well. So just drive them crazy <laughs> until they break. Yeah, I've broken break heaps open. of people. Yeah, you know, I've broken heaps of people and save their lives. But it's um you know it, it's just a talking point. It's really really simple. There's no magic medication. There's no no magic formulas. It's just talking. It's really simple. Really really simple, but really difficult to do when you're in that hole. <laughs>
1: Well, Mark, amazing. I hope this changes the perspective of a lot of people who Over are changes listening. for one. Yeah, because then that can filter too many. <laughs> well, who's I know well, I've that? have
2: a completely, I've studied it's this area one. for <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> <This one>. Yeah. <laughs> for 30 years, and I've never had, like, my level of understanding now. Oof.
0: So thanks. Yeah, no different level.
1: Very. It's, it's great to hear from someone who's walked the path, not just the people who intellectualise and talk about no it. no
0: excuse. Don't, at home, don't, don't, don't think that this this is bullshit. It's no excuse. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to do with it. I've created a whole successful life with this, so there's no excuses. I don't want to hear any bullshit excuses. Just get out there, address it, and get on with it.
1: Well, that's a pretty good conclusion. Up. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, My pleasure. Hey, do you love this podcast? How about you share it with your friends and they get to love it too.
2: Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energised and pain-free life as you age?
1: Then jump into our website at agerebels.com.
2: Stay tuned for the next
3: episode of the Age Rebels Revolution.